Before we begin our message this morning, I want to pray, but I want you to pray as well. And what I want you to pray is four words. Lord, speak to me. Now, many times we've all sat in audiences and we said, oh, I wish so-and-so was here to hear that message. They really needed it, you know. Well, this message is for you, okay? So, Lord, speak to me. Father, we need your anointing. We know that we cannot do this in the flesh. We pray that your spirit would, um, would work in our lives, that your word would be as powerful as you say it is, sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing our very moral of our heart. We pray that you will minister to us and speak to us, and may our lives be changed because of the word of God. We pray in his name. Amen. I want to begin my message this morning by highlighting just for a moment some of the horrendous situations that have happened this week, the tragedies, the people killing other people, ending lives that had so much living ahead of them. It's a tragic thing indeed. In comparison, though, we have to realize that in America, uh, we live in a relatively safe country which is a good thing and explains why, as Americans, we oftentimes are shocked when we hear these things happening. We're seeing it more and more. We're outraged because we have a high value of safety and of protection and the right for every person to live a long and full life. So after a tragedy like the ones that we've seen this week, people say things like, I never thought it would happen here, happen to me, happen to someone I know. What's interesting is that I hear people say the same thing at funerals. Some of us that are preachers here know about that. We hear the same thing. When you talk about it more, what most people are saying, at least in part, is that they get close to death. As they get close to death, it's a reality check on their mortality. And in general, people run from this reality that we'll, all of us are going to face someday. We can't outsmart it. We can't remove the wrinkles to get it away, to make us look younger. No, that's not going to prevent it. Doesn't matter if you're rich or you're poor, a celebrity or homeless. Death is something we can't avoid. I don't often quote psychology today, but this morning it's in your brochure. Listen to this. The notion of one day disappearing is contrary to many of our defining cultural values, with death and dying viewed as profoundly as un-American experience. An un-American experience. That's why so many people are saying this. Let's live for the gusto. Let's live now. This is all there is. We only have one life to live. Is that, you've ever heard that one? Our focus is on getting the most out of this life because this is it. And why do we do that? It's to avoid the conversation about death and dying. Remember our theme verse? It's found in 1 Corinthians 1.25. Let me read it to you. It's in your brochure. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom 
and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Now, I want you to see that this is a statement from God's word by the Apostle Paul, and he's describing God's son, the Lord Jesus, because Jesus was willing to become human and serve people instead of crushing them. His love compelled him to allow others to mock him and to beat on him and torture him, although he had the power to stop it in any minute, in an instant. He became vulnerable on our account and carried the spiritual death caused by, by our sin, your sin and mine, by my shame and your shame on the cross. He carried it all. And you realize that in Roman culture at that time, death on the cross was for the foolish, for the weak. That's the way they looked at it. But Paul says it was this weakness and death that demonstrated God's wisdom and strength because death was not the end. Jesus was resurrected. And let me tell you, that changed everything. It changed everything. We're going to spend, uh, in my notes it says 30 minutes, forget that. And looking how Paul ends his letter to the church at Corinth. He finished his letter where it started. And what does he talk about? The implications of the resurrection of Christ. It's all the way through the book. Apparently, there was a problem at Corinth in this church. They were struggling because not everyone understood the true implications of what it means that Christ rose from the dead. And why was it so important to view life that way instead of the normal way? Now, my point today is this. This is not just a Corinthian problem. We have to realize that many of us have had this unhealthy, un-Americanness of death in our thinking. Many of us are like this life is all there is. This is it. How do I say that? Why? Ligonier Ministries, someone that I hold dear, along with um, the Baptist uh, leadership group, um, Lifeway, did a survey. And they surveyed professing Christians. This is the statistic they came up with. It is eye opening. They came up with this statistic. 52% of American Christians have doubts about the resurrection of Christ. 52% of American Christians have doubts. Now, they may believe that it happened in some way, but they don't really see how it's important for their life here now. Now, dear friends, the resurrection of Christ is a cardinal doctrine of the church. The Apostle Paul clearly said, if Christ did not raise, we are most miserable men. And that's true, because he did rise. So they really needed to understand, and so do we. Corinth believed the resurrection happened to a lot of them, they believed it, but they didn't understand that it tied in to what they are doing now. And that's what our message is about this morning. That's what we're going to look at in 1 Corinthians. 
They didn't understand what it meant for them right now. They were still living as though life was all that is, this life. The death was final, the end. So today, we're going to look at the scriptures, holy scriptures, and stand upon the word of God. It doesn't matter what they say in the, in the universities. It doesn't matter what they say among the atheists. I've never met a true atheist. If they were in the foxhole with me one day, they were praying up a storm to somebody. I'll tell you that story later. But they're still living like life is it. This is it. So we're going to look at Christ's resurrection. And Paul reminds us that the resurrection wasn't just some kind of cool miracle that happened. But it was a promise that Jesus had authority over death and sin. And we need to have that burnt into our hearts and into our minds. The resurrection of Christ gives us all hope that death is not the end of everything. It's not the end. The resurrection changes everything. It changes our perspective, how we think, how we live this life. And so Paul spends the first part of chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians reminding them of the historical truth of the resurrection. He reminds them of the living witnesses. Do you know that there were hundreds upon hundreds of living witnesses to the resurrection of Christ? If they were standing in any courtroom of our, our land, that the, the resurrection would be without doubt accepted because of the eyewitnesses. They are there. There were hundreds of them. And he reminds us of this. Then he says, I want you to understand what this means to be a follower of Jesus. Look at verse 51. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die but we will all be transformed. Now we're going to get into a little theology, the fun part, a little bit later here, okay? It's a secret indeed that death is not the end. The thing that we're going to face, the reality that none of us can avoid, the question that Google can't answer, the question that no politician can ever promise you is this, you know, what happens when I die? What happens? And Paul says, Jesus' resurrection has an answer for you and for me. You know what he says? He says to us today, stop living like this is it. Stop living like that. Stop living like death marks the end of my existence. You know, we, we celebrate somebody that lives to be 100. I went to a 100 birthday party. My wife's uncle, godly man. He said to me, oh, Tom, they took my tractor away finally, <laughs> you know. And I looked at his plate of food, and it was like this, and he ate every bit of it. And he was such a wonderful Christian, but he lived to be 104, you know. Now he's with Jesus, you know. So, but we, we, we kind of celebrate. You remember, um, uh, who was that guy on today's show? Um, Willard, or uh, Scott, yeah, he, he would celebrate. He'd put candy in a jar, you know, because all the 100-year-old people, you know. Don't worry about that. Don't worry. Don't worry about those kind of things, okay? You know, Paul, Paul's got a wonderful secret here. Death is not the end. We're going to be transformed. God is at work right now. He's moving you toward that, that moment in time. Uh, he's healing you at times now. He's making you more like Jesus now. That's our, our prayer. 
you know, for sure. But you're going to have one day this promise. You're going to have an eternally, fully healed body and soul, fully confident in God's love. It's going to be yours and mine. After the resurrection, Jesus was not some kind of disbodied spirit, as some try to teach. No, no, no. Read your Bible. He was a person with a body. And he's demonstrating for us what this transformation is going to look like. Read your scriptures. Read the Gospels. Now, let me ask you a question. If that's true, and it is, if putting your faith and trust in the promise that this life is just the starting blocks on the race toward eternity, then why do followers of Jesus live as, as though death is the end? As if there's no life in this life. Aren't we a little guilty of that? Let me give you some examples. We panic when things don't go our way. We, we suffer lots of worry about our future as if we have only so many years on this planet. We've brought, bought into that American fear of death. We try to get as much money as we can, buy whatever we can buy and, and get everything that we can get. And, and why? Let me tell you a story, true story of a friend of mine. He was one of my elders. I pastored in Ithaca, New York for a number of years. He was the chief of detectives of the sheriff's department. One of my elders, godly man. He had heart problems and different things, and so he had to go to the hospital and have a heart catheterization. Well, that heart catheterization didn't work good because when they, when they put it into his heart, he went into full cardiac arrest, and he died on the table. And they did everything to bring him back. And he told me, this is the scary part, well, fascinating part. He said, all of a sudden, I'm looking down at my body. And I'm watching the doctors and everybody running in and out and back and forth and trying to get me back. And, and, and but I had the peace of Christ. I was just, uh, I, I, I thought I was going to go to be with the Lord, but it wasn't my time. And he put me back in my body. Now, I mean, you know, I know that have, people have different opinions on this thing. But you know what he told me afterward? He said, you know, I'm not afraid of dying. He said, he said, it's because of the resurrection. It's because of Jesus. Several years later, I had his funeral, and what a, what a funeral that was. Hundreds of people came because they knew this man and his love for Jesus, and he was a police officer. Let's go on. He explains even more about this wonderful secret, this transformation. Look at verse 52. It will happen in a moment. Now, remember who he's talking to. He's talking to believers, people that have put their faith and trust in Christ. It will happen in a moment, in a blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. Now, what's going to happen here is this. If you remember your Bible, when you die in this life now, you go immediately into the presence of Christ. Paul said that. Okay, we need to believe that. Now we go in our, in our spirit and our soul is with Christ. When he comes back, when that trumpet, he's going to bring all of us that are up there with us, and he's going to raise the dead first, the dead in Christ, and he's going to give them a transformed body. And if you happen to be here 
when that happens and you're a believer, you're going to have a transformation in the twinkling of an eye. That's what the scripture says. Believe it. And we who are living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into mortal bodies. Believe what the word of God says. You know, that's a pretty cool moment in the blink of an eye. One day we're going to be transformed physically and spiritually, and we're going to be fully complete and whole. Let's review what Paul says, and let's look at the scriptures. You've got to believe the word of God. That's the eternal thing. That's the thing that's going to stand forever. Remember John 14, Jesus reminded his followers that he was going to prepare a place for them. We're going to have a special place. He's preparing it for us. That's what Jesus said. Do you believe it? And then Acts 1.10. Here's Jesus ascending into heaven. Remember what that said. The disciples stood there. They were speechless. You know, because Jesus was no longer, no longer physically with them. And two angels appeared to them. Remember what the angels said? I laugh. The angels said, why are you standing here? Staring up into the sky. They said, Jesus is going to return from heaven the same way that he left. Believe the word of God. Believe it. And then, you really get turned on when you turn to go to 1 Thessalonians. Chapter 4, he reminds us that Jesus will return with a trumpet called the dead and, and Christ are going to rise up to be with Jesus. And Paul reminds us that this life is not the end. It's not the end. Death is not the end you're going to be transformed, a new body, an eternal existence, spiritual healing, finding completeness in Christ. Do you know what this really means? Think about it for a moment. Paul says that the secret to living, living isn't to live like life is short. The secret to living is to live like life is short, but eternity is forever. That's how we to live. If you're filling in those blanks, uh, write it down. And thank God for what's very obvious. Listen. And this is very important. There's, there's a massive difference between knowing something is true and living like something is true. You Christians... Listen, we need to start living like we believe the Bible. Very important. Did I hear an amen? Yes, okay. Um, um, this is so true. You know, we've got to start living like what we believe. You know, it should be, a, it's a truth that should impact our lives by the decisions that we make, how we live, what we do, even how we give, how we invest what God has given us. So important. That means that there's so much more beyond this life to live for. It changes our perspective on our life. For instance, in this life, when you face challenges that seem like they're giants, we all have had them. And if in this life, if this is all there was, then it would be overwhelming. But if this life is not all there is, those giants shrink. In the presence of Christ, they get smaller. Let me give you some examples. When you lose your job, it stinks. But if eternity is a reality, it's not a showstopper. God will provide. 
God will provide. When someone breaks your heart and hurts you, we've all had that. But if transformation and wholeness is real, you know that that thing is not going to be forever. Don't live like it is. Suddenly, challenges like cancer and sickness lose their power, steal our hope. But Christ, don't let that control you. And this is Paul's point. When you consider that this life is not all there is, that this life is short compared to where you're going to spend eternity and the hope of the wholeness in Christ, it gives you a whole new perspective. It really does. A, a new way of processing those challenges, those difficulties. It gives you hope. Dear friends, can I be bold to say that it grieves me when I see complaining, moaning, crying, complaining about this and that, especially among God's people. That, that, that should never be the case. We, we got to get over that. Do you know what the average lifespan is in America? For us guys, 76. Okay. Now, the Bible says three score and 10. You know what that is? That's 70 years. I'm already living on grace time. <laughs> I'm going to be 75 in November. I can't believe that. That's three quarters of a century old. You know. Now, for you ladies, you live a lot longer, about 81. Now, that's a whole other message I'll bring some other time. Okay? <laughs> but let's, let's draw that line that represents eternity. You know, let's, let's play that out, you know. My birth to my death in perspective of eternity. It's just a dot. That's all it is. The dot is this life. Do you know what this truth means for you and me? For the way you live your life and mine? Live for the line, not for the dot. Live for the long time. The dot's going to be over before you know it. The dot is just the start. Life is short, but eternity is forever. Let that sink in for a moment. If there's more than life, than this life, then you can find hope that whatever comes your way, whatever it is, it's going to melt away in, in light of eternity. This life is not all there is. Christ can free you to have a full life in this life if you get over yourself and all of the complaining. Let's believe what the God's word says and let's live like that. Christ can free you. We can have a taste of eternity now. The joy of Christ. This life is a dot that's that small in comparison to eternity. Think about what that means. Here's what Paul says. Going back to Corinthians. Then, when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? For, for, sting. for sin is the, is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Believe what the word of God says. Believe it. You see, this is amazing. The worst thing that can happen to you in this life is what? Death. It's 
the worst, don't worry about it, okay? It's no longer the worst thing, though. You know, it's actually the best thing because it means a new body, a new life, a final completeness, a complete healing. Now, this question of death, I want you to think about it for just a moment. Our culture avoids it like the plague. Our culture has no answer for it. Money can't buy your way out of it. No amount of pleasure seeking can ever defeat it. Never. Jesus answered death and he stripped it of its power. Believe the word of God. If you believe in Christ, if you put your faith and trust in him that he was resurrected, uh, your trust in Christ and choose to follow him, you have a guarantee for eternity according to the word of God. Believe it. You have a guarantee of wholeness, of being fully transformed, and there is not an end. It's only a beginning. I meet people all the time that are, that are afraid of death. Anxiety and depression are rooted in that struggle of the fear of death and fear and worry and what life does or doesn't offer and, and all of this. At times I have been afraid of death. There was one time in Vietnam when I was there. You see, I was accepted to Bible college in September, but they decided that the government in its honor and brilliancy drafted me. So I ended up in Vietnam, and I'm saying, Lord, are you sure? What, is, what are you doing? What's happening here? So, but God had his hand on all of this. So here I am in Vietnam. Go through Vietnam on all the things, getting off the plane in Saigon and seeing them wheel the coffins in on the other plane. What do you think that did to a 20-year-old man? It, it made you do some serious thinking. So I go through, through uh, 11 months without a scratch. Oh, one time somebody shot at me, but they missed. I was a lot smaller then. Um, <laughs> they, they missed. They were actually aiming at somebody else. But anyway, um, but here I am in Vietnam, and, 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 and the 12th month, in the middle of the night, the sirens go off. I'm trying to get my pants on and my boots on and, and trying to run out. We, we were in a, a, a battalion headquarters, uh, engineers, so we didn't have to dig a foxhole. They dug it for us, trench. And so I fall into my trench there with my weapon, no ammo. That's another story. They didn't give you any ammo. They're afraid they're going to get shot. So, so here I am. All I could do is fix bayonets, you know, and I'm looking across the field, and they're attacking the airfield, and they're dropping bombs and grenades, and things are blowing up all over the place, and I'm sitting there thinking, okay, Lord, is this the time, you know? But it wasn't. God watched over us and protected. And when I landed in, in um, Seattle, uh, I got off that plane, and I could have kissed the ground to be back into America. Let me tell you, thank those veterans. They deserve our help and our, our, our blessing. But you know, death has no power over us. Now, don't be afraid of it. One truth I can tell you is this. The fear of death, if you try to ignore it or try to think, not think about it, it's going to rob you of joy. It's going to rob you. It really is. And that's why it's so important to understand 
and, 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 and work this out and embrace the truth of the resurrection. It can change the way you approach life, how you handle things. It can free you to live differently. It makes you know you're not afraid of death. You're still embracing the truth that life is short. That's true. But not compared to the joy of eternity. Think about that. If you're living like this life is all there is, then let me tell you, you're not enjoying it very much. And this is important. If all you want is to get all you can right now, then what you get will always be less than what you want most and what Christ has promised you. Remember that. Can we process that for a moment? Well, let's think about it. Are you overworking to get significance? It results in what? Exhaustion. Instead of finding significance in God's love for you and then doing significant work for him. Well, what about seeking fun to get the most out of this life? Go for the gusto. You know? What does it do? It leaves you empty instead of seeking God's love and enjoying being a Christian. Some of the happiest people in all the world should be you. We should be walking around with smiles on our faces. Not like you just swallowed, sucked on a lemon, you know? God's people should be so joyous and happy. We, we, have, we have eternal life. We have eternity in our hands. But then there's those that extract value from acceptance of others that are flawed as they are. And, you know, they keep letting you down. We've all experienced that. We feel lonely instead of feeling belong to worth being worth anything. But then realize that you are a child of the king. You've been accepted by God. Live like it. Then we have the problem of worry. We worry about everything. We worry about our kids, don't we? How they're going to do. What about trusting God for those kids so that they find their worth and their purpose in him? Pray for that. Hang on to that. Don't give up. Do you understand what this really means? The only real assurance that we have is the promise that Christ provides to those who choose to follow him as Savior. No matter what happens in this life, no matter what happens in death, one day we're going to be transformed and we're going to live forever with a sense of perfect belonging, fully loved, completely significant. Believe the word of God. Then look at verse 58. He's given us a great gift. Paul says this, So my dear brothers and sisters... Be strong, immovable, always work enthusiastically. Are you doing your work enthusiastically? You should, in Christ, for the Lord. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is useless. Nothing. You may think you're not very significant, but you are if you're a believer. Life is short, but eternity is forever. Paul says this means in, in circumstance, in decisions, 
You can find strength and conviction. You can stand. It, it, it impacts how I prioritize my time, my energy, uh, my finances, my whole life. If we believe, how often do we ask this question now? In light of eternity, what is really important for me right now? What is important? Listen, do you know that you are here for a purpose? God has saved you, divinely saved you for a purpose. Every one of us. Jesus' resurrection shows us that God cared enough about your eternity that he gave you life right now in him. He didn't create you by accident. You know, you're not, you're not some gathering of some random DNA. No, no, not according to my Bible. You have a purpose, and that purpose is meant to impact people for eternity. What if God has more for you than you know about, than you can even imagine? What if you started living with a purpose, that purpose? Let's stop wasting oxygen here by living like this life is all there is. Live for eternity. Because Paul says, nothing you do for the Lord is ever going to be useless. It's never going to go wasted. Not at all. You see, dear friends, Christ's resurrection should ultimately change how we live. It should give us freedom to transcend whatever circumstances you find yourself into. It should help us prioritize our relationships. It should create a sense of freedom, of urgency about what's really important. I'm going to pray for you, as I know many have prayed for me. And what I'm going to have you do is I'm going to have you bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment. And let's do some spiritual business with God. And as you bow your heads and close your eyes. Let me ask you a couple of quick things. How will this change what seems to be important to you, this message? How will this change what you give your life to? Can I ask you to respond how God is moving in your heart today? Have you been overworking? Career-oriented? Are you realizing that it's been, uh, it's forgetting all that I can get, ignoring my life for eternity? You've heard the Lord speak to you this morning. Your heart is moved. You want to reprioritize your life. Or you don't like to think about death. Maybe you're afraid of it. Maybe you don't want to miss out on life. You've been living for the dot, not the line. This morning you realize you don't get a per to predict how long you have on this planet, but you can predict how long you have in eternity. And you want to discover what purpose God has created you for, to enjoy life so that it's not wasted not wasting your energy. Or maybe you're feeling overwhelmed with your situation right now, whatever that is, and you're anxious in your circumstances. They feel like giants in your hands. You feel so small. But you've heard about the resurrection of Christ, and we're never without hope because Jesus is going to return and because eternity holds a promise of, of transformation. And my question to you is this. If God has spoken to your heart, 
I want you to raise your hand because I'm going to pray for you. Now, I'm not going to corner you after or anything like that. But if God has spoken to you, just slip your hand up. God will see it and I will say, yes. Others, yes. Thank you. Others, yes. Thank you. God has spoken. I want to pray for you. Now, as I pray for you, remember that there is a prayer room in back, and there's people there ready to pray with you even more, okay? But let me pray. Father, I ask that all those that raised their hands and those that wanted to but were afraid to, that, Lord, you will meet them right where they're at. Lift them out of discouragement. Help them to see their life in light of eternity, not just dot here on the, on the line, but the full line. Help them to get over what's bothering them and what's holding them back, Lord. Give them that sense of your purpose. Help them to, to, to show forth the joy of Jesus in the, in the way things are. Now, Lord, we know that there may be some here who are struggling with health problems or with, with the, the loss of loved ones or so many different factors. Maybe some are struggling with drugs. Maybe some are just not sure what's going on. They love you, Lord, but they're struggling. I pray that you will lift them and that you'll touch them with your grace and your mercy. And I ask this in the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus. Now take your card out here, and I want you to take a look at this. This is very important. It's a response card. Now, my wife and I and a prayer group meet every Tuesday, and we pray for you. When you write out a request, it's kept in confidence, but we pray for those requests, every one of them, okay? And, and uh, so I want you to write out a request if God has something on your heart. We want to pray for that, okay? Again, there's people in the prayer room if you need that. But fill this out. And then it would be very helpful to know what you thought of the message. How is it speaking to your heart? What's it doing for you? So that we can be in prayer for you. And don't forget to drop that in uh, the offering bin in the back. Let's pray. Father, again, we just thank you. And in the quietness of this moment, as we're filling out these cards, bless these dear people. Touch their lives. May they realize their potential in Christ Jesus. From the youngest to the oldest, may we realize, Lord, that you love us and that you have a plan even now for us and that we want to be in the center of your will. In his name, amen.